Oh, yeah, we back it out of it again. Let me tell you something. Shouts to everybody who listened to last week's episode with the one and only Adam Richmond, the OG man versus food. Man, you know what I really loved? Again, we did it again. And if you didn't listen to it, make sure to put that on your to-do list. But we went over to just the food industry, him eating 180 oysters. For those people who have watched it, I, what I love is we just really were able to hear the in-depth journey of, of, of the food business, of food television. And really, to be honest with you, one thing I love is the responses have been great. Adam Richardson's a good dude, man, and a, and a super hip-hop head, and I really enjoyed that episode. You know, there's some episodes, people ask me, like, what episodes you enjoyed? There's a lot, man. There's a lot I enjoyed. I mean, so many. I mean, you know what? I mean, I enjoyed the Lilo Broncado, the kid from uh, Bronx Tale, just like his recovery and, you know, that movie is being a favorite of mine, Bronx Tale. You know, I enjoyed every time Joseph Sikora came through or Gary Vaynerchuk or the Ronnie Feige episode or the Yu Ming and the Mad Half Hill or the Pete Rock, the Styles P or the Prodigy, rest in peace. I mean, there's so many episodes that I really enjoy doing personally and I really enjoy hearing a person's journey more than just what they are. Like, okay, people come, like Styles P, you know, you say, okay, he's a rapper, but but we're not only talking about rap. We're not only talking about hip-hop. We're talking about life, and that is something I really enjoy. And what I really, really enjoy is everybody on the check-in. Listen, internet, you know if you don't know, when I tell you to check the fuck in, that means wherever you listening from, check in, at me on Premium Pete, at Premium Pete, Premium Pete Show on Twitter and Instagram. Let me know where you're listening from, and at me so I can, so I can give you a shout, man. So I can so I can see where you're listening from, and I can say what's up, what's good with you. This week, listen, I want to shout out so many people on the check-in, man, man worldwide. And I'm really thankful. But this week we got Marseille, France on the check-in. Look at that, France is on the check-in. Um, Tyler, Texas, Portland, Oregon. We got St. Louis on the check-in. Dallas on the check-in. Even Austin. I fuck with Austin. Okay, of course we got Detroit is always on the check-in. Last week we had Rochester on the check-in, and they checking in again. Okay. Sydney, Australia, even Italy, okay? I don't know if there's my cousins out there listening, but Internet, Italy was on the check-in. So make sure you open up your Twitter app, your Instagram app. Even if you go to iTunes, subscribe, rate, and leave a comment, and just let me know where you're checking in from, and I appreciate that, and I appreciate everybody on the check-in. Make sure you tell a friend to tell a friend. Internet, before we get into this episode, you know I always want to talk about just life, you know, and I, and, I, and I always continue to tell people, just because you're struggling doesn't mean you're failing. And I will say this. There's something like, when I, when I talk about this shit, this ain't no preach. I'm not preaching. What I'm doing is just talking about the life I'm also living too. And one thing that I wrote this week that I want to share with y'all is always remember the first person you need to help is yourself. I think sometimes people forget that. I've been through stages where I forget that. But I'm going to say it again. Always remember the first person you need to help is yourself. Once you help yourself, get yourself straight, you know, then you can do so much more for people, for for your partner, for your friends. And I think that, you know, there's nothing wrong with not being, nobody's fully perfect. So if you take the time to really work on yourself, whatever that is, you know, I think it's 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 a real special thing to be able to do that. And I'll tell you one thing, what I'm learning more and more is how to unwind how to find peace. And internet, I want, listen, at Premium Pete, at the Premium Pete Show, and let me know how you unwind. Because I'll be honest with you, I need advice. Like, what I like to unwind, I think going to eat by myself, which is something new that I've been doing, has been like a, a chance to unwind and, and, you know, take a minute from like, I feel like my mind is racing 
And when I go out to eat by myself, I feel like it slows down a little. But what is some of the other advice that you have? If if you have advice, at Premium P, at Premium P Show, let me know how to unwind. Let me know how you slow down the mind from racing. Okay? One thing, Another thing I like is taking a bath. I, listen, I told Gary Vaynerchuk when he was on, a bath, for some reason, gives me a time to refocus, rethink, prepare, and really take a moment from spinning, you know? Sometimes we, you know, we're chasing our, our dreams. We're, we're, you know, we're busy with our families or our projects or whatever, and we're spinning. But take a minute to unwind and find peace, I think, is something important. I feel like you'll live longer if you find a little bit of peace in life. Like, you know, if I'm at, like, I'm trying to slow it down five minutes. I'm not trying to fully slow it down. You know what I mean? I'm trying to live. But I'm definitely trying to find peace. So, internet, make sure you at me, at Premium P, at Premium P Show. Also, let me know how you unwind. And if you have any suggestions for me or anybody else, we, I could share them with them. Uh, listen, this week's episode, man, I'm really excited, man. This brother um, is such a good dude, man. I, I really admire him over the years. We were able to sit down, me, him, and uh, Combat Jack a couple of years ago. It's funny because when Chuck D came on the Combat Jack show, he was like, yo, I'm not coming. Before he came on, he would tell Reggie, I'm not coming on the show. Like, go go, go sit down with somebody like Buckshot. Go sit down with somebody like Bumpy Knuckles, Freddie Fox. And we did. And, 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 and the, the episode that Combat did was legendary. I only hope that my brother could look down, and, you know, and smile on this episode because I really, um, you know, find Bumpy to be a special part of the Combat Jack show uh, just because of, of those moments that, you know, we, we were involved in. Internet's Freddie Fox a.k.a. Bumpy Knuckles, somebody who really did it his own way. He's like the Frank Sinatra. He did it his own way. Uh, speaking about John Cena, the industry, to you know, um, almost being, you know, Eric B, uh, almost being instead of Eric B and Rakim, it could have been Eric B and Bumpy Knuckles or Freddie Fox. So much hip-hop history, but just, just that real, authentic conversation. Internet's Bumpy Knuckles, a.k.a. Freddie Fox, got a new album out. It's called Pop Duke. Whole thing is produced by knots. Nothing but headbangers. Nothing but official bars. Okay? Make sure you check that wherever it's available. Okay? Head over to Bumpy Knuckles 77 on Instagram. See what he got going on. But let's not take no more time. Let's get to this Bumpy Knuckles, a.k.a. Freddie Fox episode of the Premium Pete Show. Cheer. Everybody get set, let's go. It's the next episode. It's the Premium Pete Show. News, interviews, all of the info. Listen up, it's the Premium Pete Show. If you want the scoop in the low, down low. Listen to the show, cause Milk said so. Fuck what you heard, better act like you know. It's the Premium Pete Show. Internet's welcome back to another episode of the Premium Pete Show. Sitting here with my guy, the one and only, Freddie Fox. AKA Bumpy Knuckles. Is there any other AKs? Bump- no, 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 no. I, I used to have a bunch of them, uh, uh, but I don't, I don't use them no more. But, well, <laughs> well, let me ask you How many people know Freddie Fox that may not know Bumpy Knuckles? Meaning, like, does. And, and, and here's two questions. Mm-hmm. Why did. Why both? Like, why Freddie Fox? Why Bumpy Knuckles? Well, Freddie Fox. Freddie Fox is more, you know, that's just. That's always been my rap name after, like, I think I think I changed my name to Freddie Fox like right around the time right around like I think it, it might have been around 80 88 mm. 89 and I uh the name came about 
because, you know, I'm sure people may know, some may not, but there was a young lady who said, uh, she said I was a fox. She, mm. she called me a fox. Mm. So, you know, I, in my day, I was a pretty smooth cat, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so she said, uh, she said I was a fox. And I said, ah, she said, ah, Freddie Fox. And she said, F-O-X. And I said, nah, that one X is weak. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. that's the way you normally spell it. And I said, two X's is expected, you know. So mm. if I spell it with three X's, that would be, you know, I never seen nobody do that before, you know. So I said, I'll do it that way. That way I know it's totally different from everybody else. And that's how Fox came about. But then once I got into the music business, you know, I started experiencing uh, things that kind of turned my, put, set my tempo off. And, you know, I remember getting into a scuffle with a cat. We got into a fight, and then the girl, this other lady, this other chick that I seen on uh, on Eric B's block, said, "Yo, look at your hands. You got all them, you know, all them lumps on your on your hand." I said, "Nah, the lumps is on his head. The bumps <laughs> is on my hand." She said, "Yeah, your knuckles are all bumpy. You bumpy knuckles." Mm. And so I said, "Yeah, all right, I like that." And I kept it, you know. So I I put a personality. The my personality split. Sure. It was how I was able to control my personality split at the time because whenever I got pissed off, it was like I turned into this this person that just, you know, sure. wanted to throw down. It's funny because sometimes people will say something and it don't catch with us, it don't click with us. Yeah. These two people said something that you were like, oh, okay. Like, I like yeah. that. You know yeah. what I mean? And then made it your own, like, made it to your own style. Yeah, yeah. So keep in mind, like I said, there's a lot of times people will say something that'll just pass us right by. Mm -hmm. It's amazing that they kind of, like, you know, had a play in your journey, but probably not even knowing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and being a creative person, in a, you know, making music and, and being just overall creative person, you hear things different than in a, in a conversation. You know, sometimes somebody is, you know, you could be talking about a, a situation and somebody could say something and as a songwriter you say wow that would be a crazy song you know the title of it or or, or, or maybe a line that they say that you know you hear these old timers you know talking about their days in vietnam or wherever mm -hmm. they've been and you start thinking about wow that was that's heavy what they what they said and as a creative person you figure out a way to add that ingredient into what you're doing you know sure now you grew up in uh, long island new york yeah born and raised yeah i was born in rockville center mm. And then I, uh, I was I lived in, in Newcastle and Westbury. Mm, mm. And then uh, my mother, she uh, she ended up, you know, they, my parents they saved up enough money to buy a house. We lived in a small apartment, you know, and and uh, she saved up enough money to buy a house. And then we moved out east to a big house in in uh, in, uh, in uh, Babylon near like North Babylon near Wine Dance and Brentwood mm. Bayshore. Wine, hey, listen, I heard of Wine Dance. You know, yeah. it's funny being a Brooklyn dude. You know, Long Island, I didn't hear about it for a while until I got a little bit older. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, my first uh, inkling was like, all right, Long Island is like, you know, there's some nice houses out there. Mm -hmm. It seems like, you know, but then I found out, like, you know, Long Island is thorough. Yeah, very. You know, and, mm -hmm. and, and I think sometimes some people mistake that, that it's, maybe it's not thorough. It's their fault. Yeah, I mean, yes, it is. Totally their fault. I mean, you know, Wine Dance, North Babylon, uh, Amityville. Bayshore, mm. all those places. Everywhere you go, you're going to find the element of surprise at mm. some point, you know? Mm. A lot of talent there, too. Yeah, lots of talent. So there. many different type of artists. I mean, can you can you name the people that even, like, that you came up with? Oh, man. Oh, man. Prince Paul, De La mm. Soul, mm. 
Rakim, mm. uh, man, uh, uh, guys like uh, K Solo. Mm. You know, he's mm. from out there. Mom's in my uh, business. EPMD from out there. Mm. Uh, you know, a lot of guys. There's a ton of guys out there. He's even guys that that were rappers that were never that probably never made it to the music business level that we did, but still, you know, made a made a great impact. You know, there's a whole bunch of public enemy from Hempstead, Nassau mm. County. Mm. You know, those legends came from there. You know, Flavor Flav and all them guys. I knew all them dudes, man. You know, mm. you know we're speaking about growing up in Long Island, and you mentioned about being in an apartment and moving to a house. Mm-hmm. You, you live with both mom and dad? Yes. W- yes. W- what did dad do? My father was a painter, mm. you know, and, uh, you know, he... Uh, he he was a, he was a boxer, you know, and then you know tough guy, rough rough dude, you know mm-hmm. what I mean. And then uh, big dude too. Yeah, pretty big guy. He was he was a fairly decent sized guy, you know. And then uh, mom's was a nurse, and then and then uh, did a lot of home domestic work like that, you know. Those mm-hmm. days, you know, mm-hmm. you know she was a she was a a real, you know, hardworking woman. You know, they they stayed together all the way until pops passed away. Rest you in know, peace. Yeah, and then uh, uh, moms are still around, bossing everybody around. <laughs> <and shit. laughs> How, let me ask something. I speak about this with so many people. How important is it for a kid to grow up with both parents in the house? Um, it's 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 definitely important. You know, as long but you know, there, there's also the, there's there's the gift and the curse of that. You know what I mean? Um, you know, sometimes parents don't get along, and you see things you don't want to see. You hear things you don't want to hear. You hear that shit all the time. You know, but you got to know how to. Maneuver, you know. The one thing I respect about my mom is once she, uh, you know, she was solid about that. That you know, being staying, keeping a family tight. You know what I mean? And you know, you had your, you know, times where pops was gone and come back. You know, you know, I, you know. There's lyric I say, pops in and out like a burger spot. You know, mm-hmm. sh- you know, sh- giving me the blueprint, blueprint to everything I never want to be. You know what I mean? Because you know, there was times when he would just say, "I'm out." You know, I'm packing shit. And, he be gone and shit like that. Then I then I take over the responsibility of being the oldest son. You know, my my brother and I had to you know, I, had to, I had to do things. You know, learn how to cook. You know, I had to learn how to fix things. And you know, I learned that from him being a handyman and at a know, young age. At a very young age, I knew how to. I was handy with a screwdriver and a wrench and all that. I knew how to change a flat and fix change oil on a car and all that old stuff because. You know, when the money wasn't there, somebody had to do those things. You know, that's real life. You know what I mean? Mm. And, uh, you know, when the times didn't he come back, I would actually feel like I didn't want him there because mm. I felt like, you know, you're taking my spot now. Like, I'm I'm responsible. I liked, I loved the sure, responsibility. Sure. You know, I would... The man in the house. Yeah, I would get it. I would go borrow a lawnmower to cut grass if I had to. You know what I mean? We were, It wasn't like we had no whole lot of bread, you know, but... It was a struggle at times, and we just all pull together and do what we do. You yeah, know? you know it's funny too because I think that like sometimes bad situations, like when you say gift and a curse, it helps you grow up. Of you, course. Know, you know, like I, I, I were, I really wasn't handy. I really wasn't ever handy until I had to be. Yeah, you know, it's sort yeah. of like what you're saying. Not as young as you, but yeah. you know, I think sometimes in these situations, it, it teaches you something that you may not want. Mm-hmm. But it's a valuable lesson. And it's always a good trait to be handy. Mm-hmm. You know, I've learned that, bro. Let me tell you, things happen in the house, man. I don't even know what the fuck to do sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's good to be that way. You yeah. know, growing up, what did you even want to be? Well, in the beginning, <laughs> it's funny. I remember being in, when I was in high school, you know, if, I, I thought at one point that uh, I, I wanted to go to the military, mm. you know. 
because I played I played ball for a little while. I played I was a soccer player. Really? You know? Yeah, yeah. I was a soccer player for a little while. I ran, you know, because I moved from where I moved from in Nassau County in Westbury. You know, it was like I was in sixth grade. I started rapping early. When I got to seventh grade, I was I was in a in a in a, in a group in a little little crew, you know, called the Royal Nation, and we. You know, I had I would just I had discovered the whole DJing and rapping thing it was pretty cool. I wanted to go to the military. When I was in high school, I remember there were two recruiting officers that were coming after me kind of hard to go. One wanted me to go to the army, other wanted me to go to the Marines. What turned me off about it is uh, you know, one guy would come after pick me up after school and this motherfucker wanted to shoot me a whole bunch of Kentucky fried chicken all the time and shit. You know, come on, man, take you out to eat. You know, he's trying to tell me to go to the, to the army and shit. Mm. Other guys trying to tell me to go to the Marines. So they get into a scuffle on my front lawn. You know? <laughs> like an army fucking yeah, Marine yeah, beef. Like, you know, because they're like, you know, I was here first. You yeah. know what I mean? And they were pulling in. <laughs> I gave him KFC. Yeah. So my homeboy come by. He said, yo, man, come by the crab. And we having a crew practice and all that. I was like, what the fuck is crew practice? He said, yo, come on. Just come on, man. Come on. So I went over his house. My man, Cool C, Curtis, his name's Curtis. Mm. Curtis, you know, took me to the house and I was like, you know, he was like, yo, man, you know, we want to, you know, this is, you know, this is what we do. You know, we rap DJ cutting up breaks and we sure. rapping and shit. So I was like, oh, shit, you know. So I, was, I started studying, you know, they, they put me on. I mean, I knew how to rap, but what they were doing was a little bit more advanced than what I was doing. You know, I was I was still grooving off of this fat back band thing mm. and then. It's early junior high school, you know, the the recruiting thing happened more in high school area. But this was like the first time I ever seen this kind of shit out. And I started hearing like, you know, the rappers delights and all that stuff. And I'm like, wow, this is kind of dope, you know. And then we go to these little house parties and you see, you know, all the rappers is getting all the girls, you know, mm. all the guys that knew how to rap, you know. And uh, then I met this kid uh, named Richie, Richie Rock, his cousin came from the Bronx with a tape of the Cold Crush 4. Mm. And, you know, Grandmaster Cass kind of stuck out to me, you know, just to hear his voice and how he was in charge of this whole, you know, it was like he was the captain. He was the he was the top guy rocking the mic, you know. And I was like, yo, this dude is powerful, man. So I went home and I got into my books and I started writing rhymes, you know. I knew how to write rhymes, but he just inspired me to go to another level with him. And back in those days, when you were in a crew, I wrote everybody's rhyme down. Mm, you know, mm. I wrote this part, that part, that, and then I just got really good at it. You when know? you say you know, you knew how to write rhymes. Like you're young. Like how, how did you? How did you? Like how did you learn how to write rhymes? Just listening to like you know when I listened to the Fatback Band and I listened to, you know, the Sugar Hill Gang, and it was like I started listening to you know, uh, Captain Sky mm-hmm. and all them old songs that that are old now but all those old original hip-hop songs you know i learned the words so once i learned the words i mastered the rhythm i was able to learn their rhymes first and then i just said okay i'm gonna use this rhythm this flow i'm just gonna change the words to what i want to say you know so then i just started mastering how to write it but i i I had this thing i I, when i would get in trouble i would get punished Mm. my mother said go in your room and no tv none of that so all all she had was this big we always had a library in our room me and my brother and she had books around so i would take the books and i would read them backwards to see if they made sense you know 
you know, to see Johnny run, you know, run, see Johnny and all that. You know, I, I, would, I would do that shit. And when I was a kid, I would read it backwards. So I always had this infatuation with words. I was always good in English. You know, I was always good in in art, you know, drawing pictures and stuff like that. So if I figured out how to make the two make sense, if I could make the words paint a picture, mm. then that's how I, I would make you understand what I was talking about. Mm. So, I, so when I heard, you know, all these different rap songs coming out and then I see these guys put me on to like passing the mic and I, then I learned how to count bars, you know, you know, being around guys that were musicians and, and in school and music class, you learn how to count bars and stuff like that. So then I said, okay, we rap, I rap this many lines, you rap the next three lines, you four lines, and then you rap the next four lines. And the next thing you know, it just turned into, you know, me kind of directing things and putting a little order to what they already had structured. You know, I added something to it. And then we became like a tight, I said, if we can sound like one, when I heard the treacherous three, we're going to make, we're going to, a furious fire, we're going to make five MCs sound like one. You know, and I was like, we got to be like that. Mm. You know, and then you just start emulating the people who laid the path for you. When do you think, uh, growing up, you got the group, when do you think that you saw any type of like, oh, okay, this, this, this is going to be something. Is it maybe somebody you met? Is it going to a label? Is it doing a show? Like, how did it even? How did it even like become real? Because you know, sometimes you be doing something, mm-hmm. and you're like, "Damn, man, this would be dope if we could do this for real, though, like for a living." Um, I don't, I don't know if I ever really looked at it like that until. Um, but, but what happened was there was there was a time when we really became locally popular. Mm-hmm. You know, you had a local. There was a few local popular groups. We would just happen to be one of them. And I think the first time I really felt like I was a celebrity was when a guy named Woody, you know, young cat in the neighborhood who was promoting parties, he put us in a limousine and took us to, sent us to a show in a limousine, and we got out. We felt important, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. And I was like, yo, this could be big if we if we nail it, you know what I mean? And every time we did a show, you know, we did we did a good show, you know what I mean? We did it our way. You know, there was some hot MCs out at the time. So we always seemed to come up in in the conversation when they talked about crews that were dope or crews that were nice and rapping or whatever the case. And in most cases, you know, we would we would have to rehearse and then do a you know, we we rehearsed back in those days. We actually took time out of out of our day from playing ball and all other stuff to actually go spend an hour or two hours coming up with routines and you know, it was just a DJ rocking the break beats, catch the groove, love rap, rock it in the pocket, you know, all those different mm. break beats. And we were actually performing routines over that based on what we were learning from listening to these Cold Crush tapes and these fantastic Romantic Five tapes. All of those guys, you know, I pay homage to because of their influence on, sure. on, a, on me as an MC, you know. Now, around the way... You know, obviously, you mentioned before of all different, you know, EPMD and 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 uh, Public Enemy and, mm-hmm. and just so many different type of artists that came out. Did you start to meet some of them, or how did you? Because I know you became friends with a lot of, but early on, did mm-hmm. you, how did that even happen? Well, you know, when you let's say for instance, like Amityville Day, you okay. know, you go to Amityville Day with your people, man, and you run into you know, Prince Paul is on the turntables, Maceo is out there rocking. Mm. You know, these are my peers, you know what I mean? And they were doing, everybody was from their town, repping their town. That's what it was, you know what I mean? You go, you see Rakim with the Love Brothers, you know, repping their town, going from town to town, you know, doing what they do, you know what I mean? And, you know, then you had, 
you know, go out to Brentwood, you see, you know, Eric Sherman and, and his guys out mm. there doing, everybody was from their town. So you would see them, but you didn't know what it was going to be. Mm. You know what I mean? Until you actually saw what it was going to be, you know, and I got to give it up because, you know, one, I remember when, when Eric Sherman popped, you know, he took me, he took me to, I think it was Payday or whatever that label is he mm. was on. He took me, to, I think that was the name of his label. He took me to that label to try to get me signed. You know what I mean? Um, there were guys that were getting deals way before us, you know, and they would always come and get me and say, yo, man, you got to hear this guy. You got to hear this guy, you know. But I always had this raw, hard rap. It, was, it wasn't like what everybody else was doing. So th- they didn't want that at that time? Nah, they wasn't up on that. Did they say know? why? It was just, it was just, shit, me and KRS one did an album together called Street Poison. Mm. Mm. And it was a picture of a hypodermic needle. With, with a turntable and a microphone and all that stuff being mm. injected into mm. the veins. And then it scared the labels, man. This lady told him, like, yo, he, this guy scares me. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But yeah. did you get a chance to stick up for yourself and say anything? Nah, because, you know, they would go to, they would take the stuff without me being there because, they, you know, it was that. I was in the streets at one point doing what I do, you sure. know what I mean? And and he would say, yo, man, come on, man, get out of here. That's when we did Rough Rough. Come on, mm-hmm. man, get out of the streets, man. Come on, I want you to come to the studio and, and do this, you know what I mean? But, you know, that corny white record label lady sure. shit, you know, this uh, he scares me, yeah, you know, yeah. that corny shit, you know what I mean? So. You know, we'll get back to more of the labels, but one of the most legendary things I think is, and you tell me, correct me if I'm wrong, but is Eric B. was looking for a, a partner before Rakim. Yeah. And supposedly, and you tell the story how it is, but supposedly I think you were running late to a meeting or something like that, or you missed a meeting, mm-hmm. and something happened, and uh, he chose Rakim. Yeah, well, the way it happened was uh, uh, he was, he was a, Eric B was like a, a radio jock, like he sure. was doing a lot of radio, running running radio, BLS thing, I think, and he came out, he was going to do a project, and um, he came to Long Island. He must have been out there with somebody that he knew. And a friend of mine uh, has stopped me in the street and said, yo, man, this dude's looking for a rapper, you know, Eric B. And he said, you know, he told him the two best guys out there was me and Rakim. Mm. And uh, they just happened to run into me first because I was in, you know, I was on my way. It wasn't like he was looking for me. Sure, you know sure. What I'm okay, okay. So he saw me and he said, yo, man, I'm looking, you know, I want to meet up and have a conversation with you about this, you know, this project I'm doing. You know, where you going? I said, yeah, I got to make a run. You know, and I said, we'll be there. I can, we can meet you at five. And he said, who's we? And I said, my crew, you know, my, my guys. He said, nah, I just need one person. I just need you. And I couldn't, I felt like I couldn't abandon my crew because we planned to do it together. So I felt like if I would have did that, I would have left them kind of high and dry. So I just said at the moment, I was like, you know what? I'm not even going to go. I'm just going to keep it moving. And I just didn't go. Mm. And I'm kind of glad it worked out that way because Eric and Rakim make, made history oh together. God. And I think I think that's amazing, you know? And I feel like part of that history because I ended up being down with them anyway. Sure. You know, so I, I'm happy that it worked out the way it did. You know, one thing I really admire about you is uh, your loyalty. Um, you know, it's like people like you, you know, the, that, that cloth is not really available anymore. Yeah. That fabric is not... Did, did you ever, like... Did you ever, like, question yourself for being loyal? Meaning because people people burn you, you know? Not meaning mm-hmm. you in general, but I'm mm-hmm. sure you have had your burning, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You ever question being loyal? Nah, because that's the, how I treat people is my business. Mm. You know, how they treat me is their business, mm. you know? And mm. I focus on Gems. that. I, I keep that that way because, 
you know, I've, I've definitely had some days where, you know, I've given more than I've gotten. But then if you do it for that reason, you know, you end up, you kind of end up beating up on yourself for being a good person. That's kind of a sure. odd way to think about things. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, loyalty to me is something that I, that just it's just in me. Once I commit, I'm in there until mm-hmm. I see a reason why I shouldn't be anymore then I'll stay right where I'm at with it. But until you show me otherwise, then I just you know, keep it moving. Throughout your journey, you know, you never really had a lot of radio play. Yeah. You know, yeah. but you made a lot of songs yeah. Oh, yeah. with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny for people who may not know that are listening. You know, you made a song called Industry Shakedown. Mm-hmm. I mean, if anybody listens to that now or has heard it already, they can obviously hear your frustration mm-hmm. with the label. Mm-hmm. My question to you is, in this day and age where it seems easier to be put on by yourself mm-hmm. and you don't need a label, but there's still labels around. Mm-hmm. Do you still feel the, that way about the label? Yeah, I do. You know why? Because, you know, it, it this, the thing about Industry Shakedown was I thought that re- I thought that whole project out in whole in, in totality. And I said, I know once I go here, you know, I, it's like I'm going to take a hit for the game. And I and I knew I knew that was going to be that. You know what I mean? I knew that, you know, you you can't possibly think if you tell people you should have blown Leo Cohen's head off or you should have fucked Sylvia Rohn or <laughs> fucked Steve Stout. You can't possibly think that you're going to have a good run after that. Well, you know let me mean? ask you a question, not to cut you off. Have you ever bumped into Leo after that? Yeah, I've seen him At, a few times. And did he have it? It's all gravy? It's fake. You know what I mean? Industry. It's 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 that fake speak shit so he don't lose his temper shit. You know what I mean? Or he he would avoid me or what? Or, the, or if I ran, I, I don't run into him much. You know, I, he's actually taking a meeting or two with me, and it was just all bullshit. You know what I mean? And and I'm cool with that. But you know, I don't. I knew I knew what it was. You know what I mean? So I w- I kind of just hung in there until I know I knew the time would come. I knew this time would come where people would be. You know, more self-sufficient. Sure, sure. Independent. I knew that was coming because I was studying technology and where it was going. So what happened is, once they called it, they called me to they they called it blackballed or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was like, fuck it. I was born black and bald. I ain't I ain't <laughs> tripping off of that shit. <laughs> you, know what I'm you know what I'm saying? I'm what, not I'm not tripping off of that shit. What so. about uh, Steve Stout? Did you ever see him? Yeah, I ran into Steve Stout. I had a conversation with him one time, but like again, you know. It was, it was, it was just, it was yeah, 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 yeah. That's all you hear when you tell these from these motherfuckers. They don't, you know, and 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 they do what they do. They got their circle, they got their clique. I just don't fit in with that shit. So I mean, the most things I can say to him is, hey, yo, what up, dog? Keep it moving. You know, I don't, I don't want, I don't mean them no harm. I don't, you know, I have no malice towards them. Sure. But at the time that I said that, you know, I still feel like I was justified in, in expressing myself that way. I don't expect them to ever do anything for me or with me. And I don't I will never apologize for how I felt at the time and how I feel still to this day about some of the fuckboy shit that these people do in this business. I don't I don't feel I should ever have to apologize for my artwork and and the honesty that I say, especially when news and hip hop now is when some little Richard looking bitch sticks a dick in her mouth Mm, and mm. she's on fucking TV and that's hip hop. Like, that's not what this is. Mm, mm. You know what I'm saying? It's not about, it's not about that. It's about having something like, and I respect MCs who, who have a story to tell or have a uh, issue to, to, 
you know, to, to spit or you can you can tell when it's passionate, when it's real. Sure. You know, Industry Shakedown wasn't an easy album to record, you know, and, and I did it in a, an upstairs apartment in East Helm, Elmhurst, Queens, you know, and, 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 and an old lady downstairs who, who heard me create this album and tell me, you know, I heard the song you made last night. You know what I mean? And, you know, she was rocking with me. So she didn't bother me about, you know, she was an old lady and she was, she paid, I paid $600 a month to stay in this place. I built the tightest studio in that little room. My oldest daughter used to sleep on the floor, you know, and, and at night when I, you know, right next to me and her mother be in the room sleep. Mm. And and I did what I had to do, you know what I mean? And Pete Rock was the only one who would come, like, you know, I lost my brother in 2000. Pete Rock was around. So he was coming around. He came to, you know, he came and rocked with me. Pete Rock was there. So he his his energy in that in that studio was really helpful to me getting through some hard times. And I just did what I had to do. And I, I have no shame. I, that's, that's my best album to perform ever. Mm. I did Collection, Connection. And, and and all the Freddie Fox is here. I did all that shit. But when I get on stage live, I love doing industry shakedown. Mm, mm. You know. Now you, you you look at like um, the label again. We're speaking about the label. Didn't you mention that there was like an issue with like an A and R where you found the reason why you that you started stuck up for yourself because you felt like you were getting jerked. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes they may give you. Um, I mean, I've I've heard it before too. It's not only with you, but where it's like. Maybe they get an advance, but they only gave you some of it. Mm-hmm. Like, kind of like played with your money. Is that how you felt? Well, what 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 started it was, you know, I was under the impression that I was a when I was signed to MCA, that I was you know this was my time to flourish as an artist. You mm-hmm. know, growing up as a kid, and my mother having her house parties, and I'm playing records. I'm looking at MCA records on a, on a record, sure, sure. and I'm just like, oh shit, I obviously got a deal on this label and I, I was you know I was in a, it was in a great space I was like yo this is gonna be dope so I had a meeting with the A&R and then I you know I started to discover that this ain't really about me this is about yo I'm gonna keep Eric B happy because they popping at the time Eric B and Rakim was popping at the time let me just sign Eric's groups just keep you know keep him happy but throw them a few dollars but they didn't really have no plans on you know pushing my music that was strike one for me then when I tried to address it in a business manner, you start getting the shit pushed to the side. Fuck all that. Da, 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 da. It was all nonsense. Then, you know, you go like, damn, this is crazy, man. And then come through the 90s, you know, I'm like, OK, I, I, that label shit was over. I was done with it. You know, you come through the 90s with, with diff, different labels. You know, you, I was signed to Flavor Unit. Mm-hmm. You know, that was that was a that turned out to be a bad look because you get a, you get these independent labels who believe that their blueprint is the same as the same as the slave masters blueprint Mm. but these people don't look like the slave master they look like you so you don't you know you expecting them to be true a different mindset like okay well i know these people ain't gonna do this and then it just turned out to be that it wasn't about the artist you know i'm probably the only one that'll probably admit that shit but it wasn't about the artists. It was about money. Get the money. And they carried everybody like a MCA or a Sony or Universal would carry them. And it was like, ah, oh, this is some bullshit. You know what I mean? I'm loyal to this label, but this loyal label ain't loyal to me. 
Then I started that industry shakedown mindset started getting more and more. Then I started building my studios and started I started going to sessions. When I, all this what I did learn was meeting guys, legends like Patrick Adams and Herb Powers and guys like that. I started questioning the technical. Yeah, what's that? What's that button you pushing right there? You know, what's that fa- what's that sliding thing you pushing? What does that do? What's that a compression thing called right there? What does that do? How do you get that microphone? to sound so crispy, clear. Teach, and they started teaching me these things because I was asking questions. So once I learned how to use my tools, you know, that's when I became more dangerous because I knew how to, you know, I was a, I, my mother bought me a drum set when I was a kid, so I knew how to play the drums. I understood that. I played the trumpet in the fourth, third, fourth, third and fourth grade. I played the trumpet. I knew how to play music. I was a musically inclined guy because I grew up in a black household where everybody was banging James Brown and Teddy Pendergrass and Al Green and, you know, the, the Manhattans and all of those uh. those groups. I had uncles that looked like BT Express, you know, with the collars yeah. and the big shoes and they bus stop doing the bus stop in the living room. I'm a kid absorbing all of this. So I was music is in my blood. But, you know, once I learned how to make my own music and I learned how to control that part of me and, and get that sound and create it, I started building my studios. And then I realized, you know what? Now I got to figure out how to sell this shit on my own. Mm. And that's when DITC came in and taught me how to sell my own music. So Digging in the crates. Yeah, I learned that from showbiz and Lord Finesse and them guys. Mm. Well, Finesse, man, that dude uh, is uh, one of a kind, man. Yeah. One of a kind. We had Buck Wild on a while, a couple uh All those back. are my brothers, all of them. He just spoke about how, you know, it's funny because Lord Finesse introduced... Biggie to Buck Wild and Buck Wild did uh, I Got a Story to Tell. Mm-hmm. I remember you telling us and rest in peace to our brother Combat Jack. Yes, sir. When um, we said that, when you sat down with Combat last with uh, me and Combat, I remember you talking about um, that you met Biggie in Flavor Unit. Yeah, uh, Easy Mo B introduced mm-hmm. him to me. And you yeah. said that he was the coolest guy Hell in the game. Yeah. Definitely. But that's a, that's a lot for you to say. That one of the like, I think you said one of the coolest guys yeah. in the game. Yeah, he was cool. But why? Why would you say that? Well, first of all, uh, how I met him, I was the uh, so tough remix mm-hmm. that Easy Mo B was. He was bringing his, you know, this back in the days before you could email your music. He was bringing in his mixes, final mixes from use for uh, so tough, and he had Biggie with him. So when he said, yo, man, Biggie saw me, he's like, yo, that's, you know, Freddie Fox. Yo, mm, what's up, mm. bro? Yo, yo, he was really like a fan. You know, he said he was a fan of mine. And I was like, ah, oh, no doubt. At the time, he was fresh and new. You know, he wasn't really popping like that. He was just, he was he was nice, but he wasn't no big artist like that. And, um, you know, we kicked it. I think we took a picture in the, in the lobby, and he was just a really cool guy. But his energy to me was was really peaceful like he was you could tell he was a a nice guy he was a good guy a good guy cool dude man the fact that he was able to say yo listen i'm a fan like sometimes people say that now and it's bullshit sure sure you know <laughs> motherfucker say a record that need to do say yo i'm a fan man i love your album coalition yeah i'm like Nigga, i ain't got no fucking album called coalition you know you mean collection yeah that one <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Biggie was sharp. He knew all my shit. He knew, you know, he knew he was a he's a fan of, of mm, MCs. Mm. And, 
you know, that part right there really, it resonated with me because he was very honest about him being a fan because he was able to say, yo, listen, I know you did this song, that song, yo, that verse you said, boom, boom, boom. He knew all of that shit. Mm. So that's what really made me really say, yo, I like this guy, you know? You know, um, just like Big, you know, an, uh, another rap hero or rap god, so to speak, Tupac. Mm-hmm. You know, you became good friends with Tupac, did, did a lot of, you know, the tracks, and mm-hmm. how did that even happen? You know what? Me and Tupac just clicked. You know, Pac was a good guy. I didn't hang with him much because he was out there like that. I wasn't, I've never really been a guy that liked to be in that music industry circle, sure, like, sure. you know? But phone conversations, and, and, and I'll be in a city, man, and he would hear that I was there. He'd just pop up, you know? Yo, what's up, man? And he was like, a, you know, he just was a, it just, just, some guys, you don't have a, a, a set point where you remember meeting them. You just know. I remember I called him to come to the studio to do this song with me. And he showed up, man. He showed up four, five, six deep. Him, Stretch, all of them showed up. Came in there. We He stayed all night until we got that song nailed down. You know? And he wrote his rhymes. I wrote my rhymes. And uh, Ray Benzino, mm. and Ray Dog at the time he mm. called himself, wrote his rhymes. And Tupac signed his verse, his, his signed his verses and gave them to me. Mm. And I, you know, I took my, I kept all that stuff and I still got it somewhere tucked away in my studio somewhere. You know why he uh, he did that? Like, because you asked him or he just well, did it? Well, he did that because I used to have this thing about putting the lyrics. I wanted to put the lyrics on the vinyl. I mean, on the, on the, on the, on the cover so that people knew what we were saying, you know? And I learned that from some old timers in the music you know music game that were that weren't rappers old singers used to say man put your lyrics on the on on the cover cuz you know people used to get into that reading the credits sure and, sure so when i saw that you know he gave me that you know he just signed it yo here man keep that you know and i said i right, bet you know and he wrote it and gave it to me you know you you mentioned something before that i heard you speak about and you talk about, I mean, and I spoke about it so many times, and I think just overall hip-hop speaks about it, how mm-hmm. this is a genre where it's powerful, mm-hmm. controls the world, mm-hmm. every aspect of it, every nationality, every everything. Mm-hmm. But it's almost where people are like, oh, what they doing now? He ain't relevant no more. Mm-hmm. He's old. Mm-hmm. But I always say this, Barry Manilow is still touring. Yeah. His fans aren't in there like, oh, Barry's old. No, they're yeah. loving the old Barry. Mm-hmm. They just love the Barry. Yeah. Speak about Tupac, and uh, you know, I remember you saying that uh, it's a shame, but most sometimes most people only hear him on, on Mother's Day yeah. for Dear Mama. Yeah, why, why do you think that shit is still going on? Because because the industry doesn't promote variety. They don't promote that. This industry, when it comes to rap music or hip hop music, they they don't promote variety. You know, they'll they rather tell you, they rather brain fuck you into believing that every rapper is your comp- competition. Mm. And I'm gonna sign this guy because he sounds like the new Tupac, which True. means that which is kind of disrespectful to kind of want to push another guy out. You know what I mean? And they've been doing it in black music for years. You know, the Silvers. They thought the Silvers was the Michael Jackson. They said, "Oh, the Osmonds are the 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 Jacksons are the Osmonds." The Os-, you know, it was always this thing about being like somebody else. And to me, I think that what that does is it 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 helps to destroy a a mindset for variety you know 
It doesn't only have to be one top female rapper. They could be several different female rappers. But instead, to get the ball rolling, make them fight against each other so that one person is perceived to be the top. Mm. But there's no top. You know what I'm saying? Because the only top is when that fucking guy is sitting behind a desk keeping all your polishing and sending his kids to college on your fucking hard work. And then, you know, it's the same shit like... uh, uh, a, a guy like uh, Gil Scott Herons decides mm-hmm. he wants to take a break, you know, from the game for a little while. And you hear stories of uh, Clive Davis telling him, listen, if you if you stop now when you're hot, you know, it's over for you. You know, he's like, well, listen, I need a break. I need to go live life and, you know, write some new shit. Yeah, no, nah, you got to keep it moving. You got we got to make our money. You become like a workhorse sure. for people who don't really give a shit about your art or your, what you do. So. It got to be one guy at the top all the time. And it's, I just think that shit is the reason why you see that. There's, they don't promote variety in this business. They they promote duplication, imitation, you know, and then and they and 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 they promote, uh, you know, you doing it the way they see it. You know, like when you could sit in front of some corny little fuck boy who's a goddamn pre-med student dropout <laughs> and he's telling you your shit is no nah, that can't sell he's like get the fuck out of here motherfucker you, you know I mean? hey listen in this day and age people I, I feel like people could be wrong on a lot more than they ever have you know just because people think that you know when you think about um you know we, we talk about the industry mm-hmm. but more so we talk about the label and then even like when we talk about um you know uh push you know like just not 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 furthering along hip hop, and and a lot of it has to do too with 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 the fans. I feel like a lot of the people yeah. are like, "Yo, what's he doing now? Yeah. Why isn't like what what has he done?" See, that's how I look at it. I look yeah. at it like, "Yo, what did you what did you you know your contributions will forever be appreciated." Yeah. So, sometimes people, you know, I don't know how many people think like this, but so you should think like, "Yo, everything this dude contributed is appreciated to hip hop." If he doesn't make another thing, that that's where it lies. It doesn't mean like is he relevant? Like, yeah, that's the most ignorant shit ever, man. It's to, like that's like having a conversation with a racist. Mm, There's mm. never a valid point made ever, mm, mm. ever, 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 ever. And it's like a guy to tell you to, for a guy to tell somebody their relevance is almost as dumb as as a bald-headed motherfucker wearing a do-rag and shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's just, there's no purpose. It's like, who are you to tell me my relevance? Exactly. Or, you know what I mean? Like, 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 there's things that we've done. That we're in a different time, of course. And I see a lot of, uh, a lot of these new guys. There's a, there's an arrogance that they have mm. that works for cameras and shit. Mm. But that shit sticks with them kind of like that, 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 uh, bishop role stuck with tupac you know what i mean it's like you know be you know that shit could be a it could be trickery if you're not you know you don't really have to carry everybody like that you know you make a few dollars and you get a little your moment of popularity and now that shit is on you you got to know how to turn that shit off man because everybody you can't just walk up to everybody and say yeah man yo man send me some beats we need to do something Mm. who the fuck are you i don't know you motherfucker you know what i mean you don't just approach me like that i remember one time I walked up to Roger Troutman in the Regal Royal Hotel, in the lobby of the Regal Royal Hotel. I, I said, and this taught me a very good lesson. And I'm not ashamed to say this because I, lear- I, was, I was smart enough to learn the lesson. He said, 
I said, oh, shit, Roger Troutman. Oh, man, I'm a big fan. Hey, yo, check this out, man. Yo, check this out, Raj. I got me a talk box, man. So I need you to teach me how to do it. So he looks at me and he says, he reaches in his pocket. He gives me his card. He says, when you're ready to record it, you, you hire me and I'll do it. I'll do what I do. But I will never teach you how to do what I do. Mm. Never asked me to teach you how I do what I do. And he checked the shit out of me, man. <laughs> and it humbled me, you know what I'm saying? Because he was right. And I, so I thought about that. I said, like, yeah, you played yourself. You should have been more humble with, you, with your approach, you know what I mean? Because I had a talk box. I had, I had a nice one. And I, and I think I did, I think uh, Wendy Day had a guy in Chicago who, who needed one. And he, we traded something for it. But after that, I didn't want the talk box no more. I was like, you know what? He's right. If I ever need a fucking talk box, I'll get my bread up and I'll hire Roger Trout. Did you ever reach out to him? <laughs> nah, I never used it. Did you I ever just see said, him again? Fuck no. I wish I, wish I would have, but I think he passed away or something yeah, like rest that. Rest in peace. Yeah. Rest in peace. And I, and, but he, he taught me a lesson. I see most guys would have got offended. I learned a lesson from that shit mm. because it, 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 it taught me that, you know, you have to, you can't approach Quincy Jones or one of these motherfuckers and say, yo, Quincy, send me some motherfucking beats. Nigga, I got bars and shit. Like, it don't, it don't, <laughs> it don't work like that, you know? You know, I consider you, um, besides longevity, I mean, God, we're looking at what? How many? Almost 25, 30? Yeah. How many years are you in this game, oh, bro? Oh, man, I'm over 30 years rocking, rocking the mic. Fuck. Know? But I consider you a soldier in yeah. hip-hop. Thank you. Thank um, you. But we have a lot of new artists. Yeah. Do you like anybody? I love a lot of these guys, man. Mm. I, they, I, you know, one, my favorite MC is Sire the Kid. Mm. You know, his his his, the, what he writes about, mm. this motherfucker can write about anything. Man, he's the, one of the dopest MCs ever. You got a young guy by the name of. Uh, there's a lot of young talent out there. There's a kid in uh, in Long Island named Just J U S. He's mm. dope. Uh, there's another little young brother out there named King Myers. He's talented. There's another little cat out there named uh, Controversy who is who is very different. He's like an MC, but like like but he can sing and he's and he mixes the two, which is he's not like anybody else. You know, his his whole, you know, there's a bunch of great MCs out there, young guys coming up that are just, you know, blazing their trails. And this is the kind of shit that I like. To see, I I don't mind helping these young dudes. You know what I mean? I don't have no problem at all working with them or helping them out and and giving them the floor to rock the mic because sure. that's somebody nobody really did that for me. A lot of them old timers like Melly Mel and them dudes. Like even though I was a big fan of Cas, you know, I learned they taught us lessons in different ways. You know, I remember that. I always tell this story about how Cas wouldn't let me and my crew rock on the stage. And, and and when we played at the Amityville Ace Center with them, he's like, yeah, man, fuck that. Put them on the floor. Mm. They had to rock on the floor. We had to stand by the DJ booth and shit. And he was like, I don't want nobody on my stage. These opening act motherfuckers got to rock on the floor. Now you eye level to the crowd. So people in the back can't see you. You know, it didn't make me mad. It made me rap louder. It made me rap harder. Mm. So people could hear me. Man, but being that you're like a, always been a thorough dude you and, and a street dude too, and I'm just using for my analogy, like, it was hard for me to navigate, like, like I always ask people, like, damn, you got to deal with these phony handshakes, these phony, yeah. that shit didn't make you want to, like, check somebody? You know what, at one point it did, but then I realized that, that, you know, them being fake is not 
my fault. It's mm-hmm. their fault. So I can't check somebody for who they are. You know, if you're a fraud, you're a fraud. It's like, you know, my thing is I want to still be nice. I want to make sure every record I get on, people remember that I'm on that song, mm-hmm. you know. And then I started to eliminate my personal opinion of people and started just watching them for who they were and seeing who is this guy, you know. And then as I see who, as, as I see that that picture being painted, then I know what it is. You know, there's a guys who you can, you know, who you can see, you know, I, I, you know, I got some good friends in this game. You know, I got some really cool friends in this game. Sometimes the motherfuckers get to acting funny and shit. You know what I'm saying? And then, you know, they get to acting, they get, they get in a little bitch assness and shit like that. But, you know, I don't hold it against them because you never know what people are going through. You know, you call them sometimes, they don't call you back right away. I'm not one of them overly sensitive motherfuckers who, yo, man, I text you three times and you didn't pick up. You ain't fucking with me, right? I'm not with that shit, bro. I I know you got the message. So when we see each other, it's always going to be love if you want people like that. If you're not, then it is what I don't. I don't press it. It's just I. I learned that if, when you learn to let that shit go, and focus on what you do and how you do what you do, it, it keeps you at a certain type of peace. And it's not it wasn't an easy thing to get to, you know, because mm. I done grabbed a few motherfuckers in the collar about bitch shit that they they've done. You know, you go backstage, <laughs> you go backstage to a rap show, and you get this whole big performance of oh my god oh my nigga yo you did oh my god your verse and your this and your that your this and then you know motherfucker give you a phone number shit let me reach out to this motherfucker see if it, the number you have reached has been changed to a non-published number and he's like you fucking give me a wrong number for it, shit you know that kind of sucker shit happens all the time you know people change some people grow into you know some people grow up some people grow out mm. you know did you feel like it took you a long time to mature because that's maturity to be able yeah. to be level-headed, mm-hmm. like you're saying. Because, mm-hmm. you know, especially growing up back then, you could easily be a hot box. Yeah. Next thing, you know what I mean? Like, yo, what's this dude playing me? But you, you seem like right there back then you found your maturity even early on. Yeah, but you know what? Uh, I'm going to tell you something. After Industry Shakedown, I knew my shit was etched in stone. You know, like when Daffy, like when uh, when Daffy Duck blew himself up on stage and shit, nobody was fucking with him until he blew himself up on stage, and then they applauded like a motherfucker, like yeah, yeah. He said, "I can only do it one time," you know. So people hit me, <laughs> people hit me and say, "Yo, when you gonna do another shakedown? How many fucking times do I gotta shake this bitch down?" Like mm. I gave you the blueprint to eat. Mm. I, I opened the door. I, I took all of. I was the one who ran first into the crowd, throwing blows. Everybody go, mm. and now they telling me again. How many times I got to do that shit? Mm. Be the fucking the 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 the, the sick em dog, and you know I'm go get your pump. You got to shake them down. You, know, you shake them down, motherfucker. You the one who want to say something that that you scared to say. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, I got to be the fall guy every time. So I just do my own thing. I, I don't, I, I'm in my own lane. I got my own way of doing shit. I, I love it. I got my own fan base. You know, if I book a show right now and play, you know, whether it's the Blue Note or wherever I decide to go, I know I got my fans that'll show up to see me rock and roll. And I'll do what I do, man. I, don't, I You know, I do one person at a time. You know what I mean? Mm. And if, you know, there's new cats that come out and say, yo, man. My pops put me up on you, bro. I I didn't know you was so so. I just rocked in Detroit. A kid told me, yo, I never heard you rhyme before, man. And just me seeing you one time, you my favorite fucking rapper. Mm. 
And I mean, you know, I thought that was a dope comment. You know, I, sure. I, I, I was like, wow, that's dope, man. You know, but I always try to keep a few things on my to-do list. Be clear with my lyrics. You know, address the audience in all times. I see a lot of dudes turning their backs to the audience mm-hmm. a lot. I want to address the audience all the time. And I want to say what what I want to say to them and about how I feel about things or whether what I'm dealing with. This, this new Pop Duke album, you know, the lyrics talk about me. It fits what I'm t- what I'm going through mm. as a as a fifty gonna be fifty one years old in God March. You know, damn. you know. The first thing I do in the morning when I get up is I stretch. My back fucked up, but don't get it fucked up. You know, mm. years of climbing in and out of vocal booths and dragging rappers from song to song due to spine wrong. <laughs> I'm just a lyricist. My nickname should be Rip It because I could spit a classic on a snippet. Mm, talk ta- about it. You know what I mean? That's So I'm talking about how I feel about being a guy who's 51 years old who's still got bars. Mom, you don't you know? look 50, man. Yeah, I don't look it because I ain't a drug addict and shit. And I ain't, you never know, did drugs? Uh, you know, I smoked a little weed here and there, but... Still never, to this day? Yeah, and I'm not a hardcore. I've never been a dude who... What about Dr- the drink? I don't drink like that. Nah, mm-hmm. I'm not a I, man. I can't even fuck with a cooler. Man, I wouldn't even drink a Calvin because I saw fighting. I, you know, bottles and James. Yeah, you get that. You know, I, I'm not a dude who drinks because I I should see how alcohol. You know, used to do old old cats somewhere I grew up in Long Island. They used to hang out on the corner. Mm-hmm. Everybody's face looked puffy and and fucking swollen, and they looked fucked up. I never wanted to look like that. You know, and alcohol causes depression and all kind of shit. I never was a drinker, man. Mm-hmm. You know, you ever get depressed? Yeah, hell yeah! I get. I, I've been depressed a few times. You can, I, listen, you can hear that shit in my song. <laughs> if, if alcohol and drugs didn't do it, then what made you depressed? Um, if you don't mind talking about, pro- it. probably you know, I, I have. I've been through some shit. You know, more like uh, just you know, not really feeling like I was in the place where I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, same. I get that. Yeah, you feel like, damn, I know I could be doing more. Mm-hmm. Then I'm seeing, you know, I see, I see guys, you know, that that I helped get to a certain level and I was like damn man I, I, would, I would have thought this motherfucker would have reached back and say hey bump thank you man but you know what what takes me out of that depression or what out what what out of that feeling is when I get in there and create my own shit do something new there's a freedom that I have that that breaks that that feeling there's a freedom that I have with with putting out my music and you know, speaking my piece on social media platforms and having people say, yo, man, you always say some shit that hits home with me. You know what I mean? That's the shit that takes me away from it because you realize how important your words are to people. You know, I always say, you know, when I die, I don't want people coming to no funerals crying about me being gone because I've left enough out here for everybody to be able to live off of. I was like, you know, like, yo, this is my gift to everybody who opens their ears or opens their eyes when they see me or when you hear me, you know, because funerals are never about the dead person. It's always about the motherfuckers showing up to see if he's really dead, mm. you know, and they're, they're, they, if it was about the dead person, everybody would come up, would dress in black like they're supposed to or whatever the color is that they're supposed to wear. And they would they would unify the energy so that they could pay homage to the individual. Some of these people that come to funerals don't even fuck with you. Never fucked with you. Wouldn't pick up your calls and shit. And then when you die, they show up. Oh, God, that motherfucker that died. Don't show up in my shit doing <laughs> that. And I got 10 guys. When I die, they going to run around and beat the shit out of everybody on my shit list. I got a shit list of motherfuckers. <laughs> they going to fuck up every single motherfucker on that shit list. If they, and, if, and, I make, and I know they going to live longer than me. Let me ask you, you ever met Jay-Z? 
Yes, Jay-Z. I like Jay-Z a lot. Mm-hmm. And what I like about him is he's living proof that having money doesn't create happiness. Mm. I love Jay-Z. I, and I, not only is he one of the most talented MCs, but, you know, if he charged everybody for using his style, he tripled his work. Mm. Motherfuckers rap like Jay-Z. You know, all this, this, this motherfucker brought a cool to the game that, every, that just infected every little fucking guy who comes out with his, that swagger that he has. It's a bunch of little Jay-Zs running around here. They won't admit it, of course. You mm. know? He got everybody believing that they're fucking dons and bosses and players and hustlers and shit, you know, because he's that effective with his shit, what he does. You ever get a chance to rap with him? Um, Yes, maybe once or twice live. I think I've been somewhere where we were all, kind of, me, him, Kane. You know, mm. Kane is one of my best friends. You know, Kane had Jay-Z around a lot. And we he would show up somewhere live and I'd be there and Jay would get on and tear shit down and mm. shit. He was always a fucking a, a highlight in any cipher. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, Clark Kent, mm. he would be around Clark Kent a lot, you know, who's another very good friend of mine. So, I mean, I, I think Jay-Z is very important, not only to hip-hop, but to the idea of winning in hip-hop. He's great for that. Mm. You know, he's very good for the idea of winning in hip-hop because, you know, he's a beautiful wife, a beautiful family, and he's and he has principles. You know what I mean? Motherfucker got principles. He can, he can do what the fuck he want to do. You know, he's a great businessman, but he's also a dope lyricist. And hip hop took him there. You know what I mean? He took that ball and he played. He played the ball right, and he won. And I always salute guys like him. You know, because he. He did what he had to do, and he's you know most people could hate. Some people hate on him, but you know you can't. Like I said, you can't concern yourself with that. You got to concern yourself with being who you are. You know, everybody's not going to like you, but mm. I, I I think Jay Z is all right. I'm all right with him. You know, you mentioned Big Daddy Kane as being one of your good friends. <laughs> mm-hmm. You and him uh, went back and forth battling freestyle before, mm-hmm. and he admit that you had I want to say beat you beat him, but you, that you came correct. Yeah, I mean that's what we do, you know what I mean. But but I always I always felt like Kane. Kane is Kane was so important to my career because I never forget this. It's a story I'll tell you. I go to Kane's house one day, and me and my brother Tahim were together, and Kane was living living. There was an apartment complex in Queens where damn near the whole Juice Crew lived in that shit. G Rap Kane. Shan, all the motherfuckers lived there. <laughs> they all, I think Shan lived over there. They all lived over there. So I go to Kane's house, and he uh, he said, yo, Fox, he said, I got something I want to do. He, he made a phone call, and he called Kate Ferguson mm-hmm. from, uh, I think it was Right On Magazine or whatever. He said, he said, there's two guys that I'm going to bother you about, Positive K and Freddie Fox. I need you to put Fox in your magazine. And they did a story on me, Right On Magazine. I had a red shirt on. I was skinny as a motherfucker. And... It, I uh, I did a, I did a layout. They did a whole layout on me because Kane made the phone call, and he was always you know he was always yo come on Fox I got a show come go with me come on go with me go with me he always took me with him places and he would say yo you he did the same thing for me that he did for Jay Z, mm. you know get get on the mic because you know he he knew it was a good look not only for me but for him too yo get on the mic he bring he putting dope MCs in the spotlight sure. That's the generosity in him, you know? And there were times when we just, I just go to his house when he used to live on King Street in, in uh, Queen, I think it was Queens Village or something like that, or Queen, uh, not Queens Village, uh, 
uh, uh, whatever, one of those really, yeah, Queen, yeah, over there, not in, in Queens. It was a lot of rich people live over there, doctors and shit. Mm. Kane had a beautiful house over there, and he always opened his door to me. You know, come on, bro, come over, man, come kick it, man. He's chefing in the kitchen and shit. You know, and he's just a very good friend of mine. You know, out bigger than hip hop. True. You know, and that's how it should be. Yeah. You know what? Let's take a quick break. <clears throat> Sitting here with the one and only. Freddie Fox, a.k.a. Yeah. Bumpy Knuckles. Yes, sir. The soldier of hip-hop. Don't <laughs> go nowhere. Be right back. Yes, sir. Cheer. Yo, yo, what's up? This is me, DMC, in the place to be. And y'all know how it goes. The only place for DMC to ever be is right here on the Premium Peach Show. Internet, and we're back. Sitting here with the one and only Freddie Fox. Mm-hmm. Listen, let me tell you something. How the fuck did you start getting into wrestling in the sense of the, your music being in in the what the WWE? Yeah, yeah. I worked um, d- d- when Sway was on Hot ninety seven in the morning. Mm-hmm. It was Jimmy Marr was his co one of the co hosts or something mm-hmm. like that. A buddy of mine's uh, knew Rich Nice, and he said, you know, "My boy Rocky." He said, "Yo, man, I want to take you up to Hot ninety seven for an interview. They want to bring you out." There's some wrestling dude coming up there that said he can rhyme, and they're going to bring you out as the special judge to see if you like his verses or something like that. So I'm sitting in the waiting room. We, we go up there. I'm sitting in the waiting room, and uh, I see this big dude, big, big dude coming in, man. I was like, damn, this motherfucker big as shit. You know, like the big ass muscles and shit, busting out his shirt and shit. <laughs> so I'm sitting there, and you know, he's, you know, he's doing whatever he's doing. He didn't really pay me no mind too tough. And then he went on the air. So you know how you can hear the show or whatever in the back room, whatever. So I hear them saying, well, we got a special guest that's going to judge your bars, your freestyle. So they bring me in. It was John Cena. They bring me in. So he starts freestyling off the top of his head to a, to a beat. And uh, I was like, he said, All right. after he finished rhyming, he was like, Yo, what do you think about his, his verse? You're Freddie Fox, Bumpy Knuckles. What do you think about his verse? I said, I'll give him a five, but if he fuck with me, he'll be a 10. Mm. And then he did a, they asked me and him to have an arm wrestling match. <laughs> so I said, all right, I'm with it. You know what I mean? This motherfucker got a big ass giant pterodactyl arm and shit like that. And I was like, pterodactyl's got arms. But anyway, he, we, we, we get to arm wrestling and shit. So you know, I'm fucking with him. I'm like, you know, I, I, I'm one of them refuse to quit motherfuckers. He's, he was like, <laughs> so we like tussling back and forth with it. And then Jimmy Ma jumps on his back and starts fake fighting him like a wrestler shit, you know, fake fighting him or whatever. And he horsed, we horsed around a little bit. And then after the show was over, he said, yo, man, I'm a fan of your music. I was like, oh, I had no idea because when he first walked in, he never said nothing to me. I ain't said nothing to him, but he, sure. said, he said, I'm a fan of your music. I said, oh, no doubt. Thank you, bro. He said, yo, man, here's my number. Call me, man. Let's get together. And we switched numbers. And one day he called me, bro. And he was like, yo, I want to get in the studio. I'm working on this project and da-da-da-da-da. And then, you know, me and John just became really, really really good friends. Really good friends. And I experienced something that was just absolutely incredible knowing him as a person. My experience with the WWE, I wasn't really that, you know, it was cool. But I saw a lot of shit that I didn't like. You know what I mean? Um, I thought Vince McMahon was a cool dude. I liked Vince McMahon. I think Vin- I like Vince McMahon and Shane. I like those guys, you know. 
but you know, there's a guy there named Jim Johnson who I truly believe is a straight racist. I think he's a racist piece of shit, mm. you know? And, um, I saw shit like that, you know what I mean? And, and it was guys that were working around them, you know, that I thought were really fuck shit bags and shit like that. But they didn't want John around me too long, you know, because they saw how the bond was. Me and John, had we was that was my boy, you know what I mean? Mm. And um, they, I, I believe, personally, they made him fall back from fucking with me, you know. But to this day, I still got a lot of respect for him, man. He was a good dude. You know, he still is a good guy. And I love how, I love his energy and the way he, he, uh, he projects positivity to kids and shit like that. I never forget. I'll tell you a quick story. We did a, we did a, uh, uh, a performance. I think it was some kind of sports awards show or something like that. So it was me, John Cena and his cousin, the trademark, his name is Mark. They call him the Mm -hmm. trademark. So we're backstage. I'm kicking it with Burt Reynolds and John Sally and all these motherfuckers. Burt Reynolds. Right? That's such a weird yeah, combo. Yeah, kicking it with Burt, right? So we backstage ch- chilling, talking, whatever. So the producer of the show comes backstage and says, hey, uh, uh, can I talk to you for a second? She said, "Who's? Uh, um, I'm only supposed to, I, I was told not to introduce uh, Bumpy Knuckles or Trademark. Just only introduce John Cena. And when she said that shit, I, it wasn't, they switched the, the the guy who was working for the WWE for some reason thought it was a good idea to tell them not to introduce me and his cousin. I took total offense to that shit. And we were supposed to do Bad, Bad Man, the song Bad, Bad Man. Now, if you ever heard my verse on Bad, Bad Man, I, I went in on that shit. Mm. So when they introduced me, you know what I did? I went out on stage and I said, uh, to the beat, everybody, uh, to the beat, beat, come on, rock the house, uh, come on, throw your hands in the air. <laughs> so I wouldn't say a fucking rhyme nowhere. Mm-hmm. Fuck that. I was like, fuck no. You're going to just short, you're going to take away who I am because you want to big up one person in, the, in a three-man situation. I'm not rapping in that shit. Fuck that. Did they say anything to the action? What the fuck did they say? John said, damn, Bumpy Knuckles on the freestyle. <laughs> I was like, fuck it. I'm not doing, I'm not doing that. I, I did everything but not walk on stage. Mm. And that was just me being a rebel. Mm. You know? So if that shit ever surfaces, you'll see it. I refused to rap. I refused. Did, did he ask you anything at the end? Yeah, I told him why I did it. Because mm. he was my boy. I, I, I didn't want him. I, but I, and he, was, he didn't like that they did that shit. But they didn't tell him that they were doing that. I heard the lady say it. Mm. You know, it's shit like that that was just, to me, such fucking stupid shit, man. You know what I mean? I used to be backstage at all these wrestling events, man. All those fucking wrestlers, man. They, they're really, really, really good. They're really troopers, man. A lot of these dudes are true. They go through some shit, man. What do you mean? What do you mean by that? Like, like, they just, it's just to see, like, one of the girls that was there, like one, of, it was it was a it was a black chick there that was wrestling. I forget her name, but she she pulled me to the side one day. She says, "Yo, I really don't want to dress like this. Mm. I want to do this, but they want me to look like a hooker and shit. I don't want to look like no fucking hooker and shit like that. You know what I mean? But I was like, you know, you gotta, you know, this is a moving circus here. You know, this is a real, this is sure. a moving circus. So you have to, you have to, you know, you have to know how to get in, get what you got to get out of that shit, and keep it pushing. You know." But I never saw no black people in corporate. Mm-hmm. I always saw, like, all of the blacks in WWE, I always saw as talent. You know, I never saw none of them in corporate. You know, and I was always, I was, I'm always walking around with my fist in the air because that's just me. I'm a problem child. Mm-hmm. When you see that, I'm a, it's a problem. So, mm-hmm. 
that's how I was, you know, WWE. But I learned a lot. You know, I, I'll, I'll tell you a quick, quick, another quick story. When we mastered John's album, um, we were at Sony Studios. And this guy, Jim Johnson, you know, he was in the session, you know, because he's the guy who does, He's I guess he's responsible for all of the WWE music, you know. And he pulls me aside and he says, he says yeah, let me talk to you for a second. He takes me outside and shit. I say, hey, what's up, man? He says, keep it, keep it straight with me, man. You know, this fucking, this, this rap shit ain't for white kids, man. It's not gonna, this is not gonna, this is not for white kids. You know, this, this is not, this is not gonna fucking work. You know, this, so I looked at all that. Are you fucking serious right now? Like, you kidding me? You know, it's just you just you guys can be a few dollars, right? It's not a fucking geez, this is this is not some shit for no white kids, right? And I looked at us, I mean, get the fuck out of my face, mm-hmm. man. Get the fuck out of here. And I walked away from the guy. You know, shit like that to me was like this guy, this guy had the most incredible studio I ever seen. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he's keeping all of he got publishing out the kazoo. Like, but just because John wanted to bring me in to that whole music thing with hip hop, you know, I remember doing uh, uh, some reggaeton stuff for Ray Mysterio. This motherfucking guy, Jim Johnson, took the track that I had from Danny. Uh, 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 what's his little the, the guy that that I worked with to do it? Oh man, fuck was his name? I, I'll think of his name, but. It was a Latin cat that I reached out to because I don't know how to make reggaeton, but I knew what I wanted to hear. So I bought the music from him mm. for Ray Mysterio. And he made the track over identical just so he wouldn't have to use the shit that I bought. And Ray Mysterio said, if you don't use it the way Bumpy did it, if you don't use the one Bumpy did, I'm not doing it. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, why, that, why do you think uh, somebody like Ray was like loyal to you like that? Because he, he you know, first of all, I, be, I, you know, some of these guys you meet them, they all like me. You know, even Big Show, all the motherfuckers, they loved me to death, man. When I was there, and I was always around with John, real cool. I never was an asshole. I didn't get, I didn't freak out when I seen them. I was really cool with everybody. You know what I mean? Mm. And I would take them to my jeweler. You know. They go there and buy fucking hundred thousand dollars worth of diamonds from the jeweler and shit like that, you know. And I, I, I turned them on to the streets, like sure, the, sure. where I came from. Where I, you know, I would have John Cena all in the projects, all in the fucking hood. He was, <laughs> he was everywhere. I took him to SOBs one night. He jumped on stage and introduced me and shit. I did all that fly shit with him. We didn't, we didn't. I didn't dumb it down. You know what I'm saying? So, so you know, I like. I, I, I was cool with certain cats, but there was cats around that whole shit. You know, I remember we were in the city, in L.A. one night, and uh, there was a guy named John Sohegan, you know, who was working. Like, he, I guess he was like John's got WWE guy. You know, he made some racist-ass comment in the car, and John barked on him and shit right, right in front of me. Like, you know what I mean? Like, shit like that. You see shit like that, and, mm. and, you, and, and you know, coming up, you know, being black in, 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 a, in a business like that, you know, you see that sucker shit, man, and and it's sad to see it. You know, but and it doesn't it doesn't reflect who John Cena is. It doesn't reflect who, you know, some of these other guys that I'm cool with are. It just reflects the ignorance of the individuals that are that think that that shit is cute. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? But I, you know, I, I stand on my own two feet, man. Mm-hmm. I, st- I always stood up for myself. So you still getting checks from WWE? Nah, I, don't, I ain't, man. I ain't got no WWE money in a long time, man. 
Long time. But I mean, it was beautiful while it lasted. They definitely took care of me in that respect. You know, and uh, didn't and, you get a, a you produce most of John's album, right? Yeah, you got I a produced, gold album. Yeah, huh? I got a gold album. I got I got the uh, the plaque with the from the ring when he won his first match. You know, with his blood on on this on on the cloth and shit. I think I'm the only one that got that shit. We watched it from the skybox. I think Ice Cube came in that day. To that, you know, Ice Cube came in the box that day. I like that. It's like a different style of like, you know what I mean? Like like connecting with him like opened you up to some different shit. Yeah, it did. Even it did. though you've seen some fucked up shit, it still was an experience for you. Yeah, it was definitely an experience, man. We got it. I mean, there was guys calling me, man. I remember when uh, uh, me and Nori had a, a issue before, you know, and me and Nori had a, a little rap beef one time and I, you know, how how we fixed it. As men, we we made songs together, but then he called me one day and said, yo, man, my kids, man, want to go to Monday Night Raw. I make a phone call and send him and his kids to Monday Night Raw and shit like that. I, I remember Dapper Dan called me. I sent, I took Dapper Dan and his grandkids or his backstage to meet John Cena at the Garden and shit like that. I used to do that shit for a lot of people, man. People call me up. I, I put people's fathers ringside. Mm. They, oh man, oh shit! I got the blood off me, bro. I got the blood off me. They be happy as motherfuckers. I'm actually not 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 singling anybody out, but dude, has that ever been reciprocated to you? And not meaning those people, meaning in life, as um, people you feel like done what you have done for them. Not all the time, but I don't care about that. You know, I mean, there are people that you know that have done things for me. You know, great thing. I mean, shit, man, Russell Peters. Mm. You know, Russell Peters is like, man, when I, he's, 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 he's come through for me on many occasions, you know, mm. big time. And I, I always will be loyal to Russell Peters, man, because there have been some times, man, when, when you know, when I, my freedom was on in, in jeopardy and Russell Peters was the guy who saved me from shit like that. You know what I mean? Mm. And, you know, there's a few other people, too, you know, Eric B. a few times, you know what I mean? You know, um. There's a few people, man, that have that have been there for me in in major ways. You know what I mean? I can't never turn my back on that. You know, on on on, on guys like that. You know, you actually did shows while you were in prison. How the fuck did that happen? Well, this is what happened was, I had some guys that I'm really close to that were in prison, locked up. Mm-hmm. I would go visit them guys, and those guys would say yo man I want you to talk to the imam or talk to this guy to come back to do shows because I had gotten blackballed so to speak mm-hmm. I needed to still keep build me an audience so what I did is I created this pamphlet called Sell to Sell S-E-L-L to C-E-L-L and I started making mixtapes based on people writing me saying yo bump this the songs I like and, and, and I like Frank Sinatra I like Da, 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 da. Whatever they like, I would put it on a cassette and then I would take it to a fat beats and whatever and have them ship it for me because it had to come from a certain place. You know what I mean? So they would do these festivals. So what I did was I took some girls up there, took my DJ up there, took a sound system in there, and I would play at the festivals in the yard, in the prison yard. Because I, I you know, nobody was fucking with me because I was blackballed, so to speak. <laughs> so I went to the prisons 
to perform inside of the jails, you know? I wasn't incarcerated in the jail. I was mm-hmm. coming I was coming Performing, from the outside yeah, yeah. to do my shows in the jails. And that's that became that'll never happen again cuz I was not from with nobody. Like I was I was doing shit that t- today they won't allow you to do. I was going to say why, you know, I feel like that was like uh, way ahead of its time and yeah. I, I'm surprised many artists didn't like kind of like get inspired to do that same shit. Yeah, man. I mean, listen, I was in there rocking with guys that had, you know, 30 to 50 to life or 35 years, 40 years, you know, for homicides and, 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 and killings and rapings and all kind of shit. And they were on these festivals with their families and I was, and it was a stage built for me. I brought the sound system in there, and I just performed my records in there, you know. And I, and that's how I got, I got an audience behind that. That whole crazy like a fox album that I did, I was performing that album in the jails, you know, because I needed that. I needed to be doing it, you know what I mean. Now nobody was in booking me for no shows because the word was, yo, he got a temper problem. See, when, once I had my issue with the record companies. They they had access to media, and it was always I was a hothead, and if my record didn't sell, I was gonna. They they started all of that sucker shit, and it really wasn't that. What it was was, you know, people stealing money, advances, and 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 not keeping their word and on on certain things, and sure. you know, and and it was like, come on, man, I'm supposed to be family to the label. Like the, these labels will tell you that you're family, but they'll fuck you every which way you they can get their you know there's shit in you mm. and to me i wasn't feeling that shit. i wasn't going for that shit i wasn't down for that shit i was fuck that you know if you tell me if we you tell me we family then you're gonna treat me that way if you're not gonna treat me that way then fuck you i'm out you know what i'm saying but don't rob me don't don't hug me and tell me i'm your brother and then you put your hand in my pocket and take my fucking wallet don't do that shit you know what i mean because that's not cool that's not we don't get down like that sure so you know, they hurry up and get it out. Oh, it, we put his record out and it never said, but people are not smart enough to see that the shit was, if songs were never released, it wasn't about that. It was about up front, you know, and you know, I'm not a rich, I wasn't a rich guy. I never was a rich guy. So it's like, yo, if I tell you I need my bread, I need my bread. You know, you got motherfuckers out here now rapping about shit they don't own or they don't have. They're not living, a re- they're not telling you real life, you know? It's the one that's telling you, listen, bro, you're not going to rob me, man. I'm not going to let you rob me. Fuck that. Mm. You know, if you listen to Industry Shakedown, I say, you motherfuckers never robbed me in the street. You're not going to rob me in no fucking music industry. Mm. You know? Because so when of, you asked for the bread, did they get upset? I went to get mines, bro. I went to get it. I mean, I did the Malcolm X on the motherfuckers. Whatever, any means necessary. I want my shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but then did they have cash laying around and they got to no, cut you man, a check? Oh, ain't nobody moving until they get back from the bank. Somebody's going to go get my fucking money, man. You know, and then I got the I got I got looked at as oh yo his record didn't sell and this and this and that and, and this shit still goes on today. But the sad part about it now is you got guys out here now that won't stand up for shit like that. I knew that all of that shit built up to industry shakedown so that I could make everybody that was that I believe was my peers watch out for shit like this. Y'all coming, all you cats coming behind me, I'm I'm gonna go ahead and run into this motherfucking shootout with both guns blazing. But what you when once I get through that door, y'all just don't don't do nothing to kill yourself. Just go in and get your money. They don't give a fuck. These motherfuckers are be underpaid and say, well shit, I'll 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 take 
uh, 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 60% less than I'm supposed to get just long as I can afford me a new car and get me some weed and, you know, get me some fresh kicks and some free shit from such and such and so on. They do that sucker shit and it's a selfish intention that they have. They don't give a fuck if you tell, they don't care about telling the next generation anything, you know, and there's something, some people may, you know, I see some of these young guys, I'm really impressed with certain, some of these young guys and some of the, some of the, uh, 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 ways, what's my man from Chicago, where the baseball, oh, uh, Chance, the rapper. Chance the Rapper, bro, like, oh, watch this dude, I'm like, yeah, this, this guy stands for something, man, I gotta, you can't be mad at a guy like him, I don't know one of his fucking songs, but I like him as, as I rather like him that way first, before I even know what he does musically. Half that shit I don't listen to. Because, not because I don't like it, but because my mind is on other things. Mm. But I definitely see his movement. I see what he's doing. I respect him and don't know none of his records. I might know it if I hear it, but I don't know it's him. You know what I'm saying? And I'm man enough to admit that. But at the same token, you know, it's a selfish intent. I didn't do Industry Shakedown with a selfish intent. I did Industry Shakedown to show people that this is what's popping. This is this was my journey through the music business. And this is how I perceive things. And this is how you're going to have to watch your back when you come in here. But I did that knowing. I knew for a fact, bro. I knew for a fucking fact that mm. it was it was it was it was suicide. I knew that. Mm. But I didn't care. You know, uh, on your Twitter at Bumpy Knuckles, mm-hmm. always dropping gems, always teaching people about the music industry or just things that you're going through. First off, every morning you write good morning hip-hop. Yeah. What the fuck does that mean? I know it means good morning hip like, yeah, yeah, hip-hop, but what, what does it mean to That's you? me saying, you know, every time I put good morning hip-hop, I that's me saying good morning to everybody that's in love with this 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 beautiful culture that I'm in love with. You know, I'm not talking to one person. I'm talking to the whole entire culture. I'm talking to you, 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 everybody. I'm talking to all the women, all the guys. I'm talking to the DJs. I'm talking to the MCs. I'm saying good morning to everybody because there's so many people out here who represent the same thing that I fell in love with years ago, 30, over 30 years ago. You know what I'm saying? So that is a broad stroke way of saying you know, top of the morning to everybody. Mm, mm. Don't be mad at the truth. Be mad at the lie. Yeah. It's because, another one of your tweets. Yeah. Break that down. Yeah, because, you know, there's a lot of people out here who, who can't, they always say, oh, motherfucker, I want the real shit. I, I fuck, you know, but then when you hit them with the real truth, you know, for instance, I got into it with a Donald Trump supporter who said, um, you know, I said, you know, your president, this your president has been charged with 19... Women, 19 women have accused him of sexual assault. Mm -hmm. Let that sink in for a minute. And it was, he felt so pissed that he felt entitled enough to address me about my statement. And the truth is, you know, they start talking about Bill Clinton. I don't give a fuck about Bill Clinton. Fuck Bill Clinton. Mm. I don't give a fuck about Hillary Clinton. Fuck Hillary Clinton. I'm talking about the president of the United States versus if that was when Bill Cosby was going through that shit, mm. they drug Bill Cosby through the mud. Mm. And this took him off Netflix. Bird nest head motherfucking president that we have is so arrogant that he'll go shoot 
around the golf while some kids got killed and he's not sure. even he's not even concerned about that shit in the way that he, and then he has everybody lying for him and shit so the truth is he's a piece of shit mm. and if you can't accept that shit then you 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 won't accept the truth. You go you you don't be mad at the truth. Be mad at the lie. The lie is that he told you he was going to drain the swamp, and he is the swamp. Mm, mm. You dig what I'm saying? And if anybody says anything, just like he said this dumb shit about oh that's reverse racism, which which in, which implies that racism should only be white people hating on black people or anybody that's non-white. And he's too ignorant to know that the, that statement like that is ass backwards. So you got to be smart when you when if you're going to put yourself on a public platform and speak, you know what the fuck you saying? Because mm. the shit and, and I'm the type of motherfucker, if I tweet something and I see a word is misspelled, I'll delete that shit and retweet it and spell it the right <laughs> way. I fix shit. I don't I want you to really get it. Hey, you got you, you, you got to, you know, one, one one tweet that I really like and and this don't to me, it, it don't only apply to music business. Mm. It should apply to life. You wrote. It's not always a good idea to latch on to another artist. Mm -hmm. Their fan base is not guaranteed to like you. Building your own fan base is always better. Don't be a tag-along. Be a build-along. Yo, I'll tell you one thing, man. When I read that shit, I was like, damn, that shit is so powerful because I get it. Like, you know, you're an up-and-coming artist. Say someone brings you on stage or or someone gets cool with you. You're hoping, like, yo, this dude could put me on. Mm -hmm. But -hmm. sometimes, like, yo, maybe that audience is like, yeah, we really don't fuck with this dude. Mm Mm-hmm. It's important to build your own. Mm-hmm. I, I love that one. Man. Yeah, you got to get the best out of the situation for what it is. You can't just think that being a, a, a you know, oh, yeah, that word, that shit put me on. It irks the shit out of me, you know, because people want something that they haven't earned and audiences can see that. You know, if somebody's dragging you along, listen, let me tell you something. I watched Kane stop his show plenty of times and let Jay-Z rock mm. jay-z had this talent that when he when whenever kane did that it became a, a very important part of his set because jay-z was was bodying his rhymes he was he was talented enough to body his rhymes. a guy like big l coming up under lord finesse mm. and and d-i-t-c like he was he was the baby of the crew but he was a fucking an amazing mc he's talented nowadays it seems like People don't have the, the the same intentions, you know. They're thinking about, yo, I want to eat. I want to eat. And go to fuck, sit your ass down in the McDonald's and order you something. And because if you think that this is just about eating, eating, you're wrong. You have to have talent, real talent. And people have to see that. Don't get mad because people don't see your, that what you think you have. You understand what I'm saying? It's like, be different, you know. Don't 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 latch on to somebody just because you're not going to have just, just you're not going to be Jay-Z. You're not going to be Puffy. You're not going to be 50 Cent. These you know, what I mean, when Eminem brought 50 Cent into the game, he knew this kid was talented enough to be successful. Mm. I know he knew that Dr. Dre didn't just bring, you know, Eminem into the game because he was a white boy. He brought him because he was a white boy who knew how to rock the mic, who was dope at rocking the mic. But you can't, some of these guys don't have no fucking talent, bro. And they want you to put them on. I don't get that shit. It just doesn't sound right to me. And there's guys who have talent who 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 want to just, you know, I see people doing all their own videos now and recording their own music. And they don't give a fuck about quality. 
but they're fucking screaming, put me on. And mm. I don't, I want to know what on is. On what? Mm. Mm. You know, they'll walk right up to you and ask you, yo, man, I want to get on. The, we, we need to work together. We need to work. Work means somebody's getting paid. Mm. Don't tell me we need to work together, motherfucker. Who are you? I wish I could have walked up to James, but I said, yo, James. Hit a nigga with some shit. Nigga, we, me and you need to get in the booth. Nigga, I got bars. <laughs> it don't work like that, bro. You might get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here, nigga. <laughs> <laughs> you chase me off the block. You know, in in here's something that I really want your opinion. Mm-hmm. Why do people to this day always have a problem with Birdman and what he has done and not Slim? Because you get the fame, you get the blame. Mm. That's why. Because nobody ever sees Slim. Nobody Slim is in the background out of the way, you know what I mean? And, and and that's just how that goes, you know what I mean? That's that's you know people want some people want to be in the front and have that popularity and you know they they don't never see Slim, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? They mm-hmm. same reason people don't have a a problem with Clive Davis or the same people reason people don't have a problem with Jimmy Iovine. They never see these motherfuckers. Mm-hmm. They always see the front man and that's what they see. You know, you cool with Birdman? Everything cool? Man, I ain't got no problem with nobody, bro. Now that's one thing I, I gotta admit. Over the years, you may have had your issues with people, right? That you handled. Mm-hmm. In this day and age, where you are right now, is there any beefs out there that you still have? Nah, it's only one motherfucking person that I hate with a passion, and I don't even like to say hate. I just don't like him. It's Bob Perry, mm-hmm. who used to own. On land speed. Okay, okay. I don't like him. I'm not a big fan of him. Everybody else, what? Well, well, even even him. Like you know, he's a piece of shit. But fuck him. But the thing is, <laughs> we talk about Bob Perry. Yeah, he's a piece of shit. <laughs> but you know, when you carry your bags, mm. at some point you got to put the motherfuckers down, you mm. unpack them, mm. put them away. You know what I'm saying, take the shit out of them and put them away. That's how I deal with everything. You know, if I have a problem with somebody, it means I feel threatened. Or I feel like they've done something that is just irreversible. You can't you can't get it back, can't take it back, and I deal with that shit. I handle that shit. I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to say nothing. I'm going to shut up, be quiet, and at some point, you'll be walking down the street, and then, bang! <laughs> Next. Yeah. Um, That's it. I mean, that could be 10 years. It could be eight years. It could be eight months. I don't give a fuck. I could see you and say, yeah, nah, nah, it's not the time. I'll give you a hug and kiss you on the forehead like Tony did his brother Fredo. <laughs> man, that, that, was, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a classic fucking part, man. Yo. That was a classic. Listen, Bump, man, you, that, your journey is just, is just, I mean, you can, like, that's the thing I hate when you have people like you have been in the industry for so fucking long. Yeah. You can't do uh, uh, like a podcast like, and cover everything yeah. like you know after this I probably like damn I could have talked about this then I could have talked about that yeah. but one thing like I said I do admire that like you a person that take no fucking shit yeah, a couple of people didn't, they got them bumps and got them knuckles yeah. you know what I mean yeah. but what I'm saying is not because I wanted to because I you know it, it had to be done it had to be done but but what I'm saying is you think about it now yeah. and it's like yo you're just like I, and I, I told you this when we spoke. Like you're more of a diffuser than you are of like what uh, uh, and they maybe an, an activator or whatever the fuck. Yeah, yeah. Like somebody who like a hot box, no, like, or somebody who wants to start shit. Or yeah. you're more somebody like is, is that just maturity? Yeah, it's that, and it's about me protecting my sanity. You know, because I don't ever want nobody to consume that kind of space in my head. 
you know, I'm, I'm I'm trying to think of the next fly shit I can say on my songs or the next beat I can make or, you know, or the next, you know, piece of information that I can give to somebody that can help them with their life. You know, I, I don't want to always be running around here. People think, you know, what really fucks people up is when they meet me and say, damn, you're a cool motherfucker, man. I never do, you know, cause the way people are describe me, you think I was some kind of fucking growly, sure, gu- sure, growly sure, Gus or some sure. shit like that. You know what I mean? And, when people meet me, they say, damn, man, you, you, you're a cool motherfucking dude. And I was like, yeah, yeah, thanks. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, I, I live a regular life, man. I, you know, I go to Walmart like every fucking body else do and shit. I, you know, I, I'm not, I, I, I think I may have been in the Gucci store maybe a hot five or six times. How'd you become cool with Dapper Dan? Well, you mentioned him before about the wrestling. Oh, uh, Dap, we know Dap for years, man. Mm-hmm. Dap, Dap is a you know, guy I've been around for years since the Eric B days. Sure. Eric B. Oh, making all that's right. Yeah, right, right. Making Dapper all those Dan, pieces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Dap has been that guy for years. Fuck it. So, it's so great to see what he's doing with Gucci now. Yeah. That one off. You know, yeah. you, have you heard about that? Yeah, I did hear about yeah, that. Yo. You know, he deserves he deserves everything he gets, man. Dap, Dap put a lot of work and he's been through a lot of shit, man. I wish him the best. I really do. I, I, I know there's people who have their feelings about shit. But that man got to do what that man got to do. I can't. One thing I know about one thing about me is I try to salute people that been through their shit and go through their levels of, uh, you know, turmoil. You know, it's hills and valleys, man. You know, there's people who say when you win, they say we won. When you lose, they say, oh, you lost. You know what I mean? And Dapper Dan, every time I've ever had any interaction with him. It's always been 100. So I, I wish him I wish him all the best, man. I hope he makes more money than he ever mm. can imagine. And, and he's a he's an amazing talent. So he knows mm. what it is. Shouts to Dapper Dan. Hey, mm. listen, when we sat with our brother, again, rest in peace, Combat Jack, yeah. you always spoke about sleeping with the gun underneath the fucking pillow. Do you still <laughs> sleep with a gun under the pillow? If I did, I wouldn't say I did. You know what I, mean? <laughs> I know. I, I'm, I'm not trying to you. But hey, listen, you know. Yeah, yeah. Hey, listen, man. That's, I, you know, I, one thing about me, bro, is, you know, I want I want to employ people to be smart. You know, be smart with whatever you do, whatever you say, and however you say it. Be honest with your feelings, man. Mm. You know what I mean? My mm. gun. When I said even mechanics walk around with their tools, mm. that was a very broad statement. Mm. You know, and I meant that. You know, if you're going to be an MC. And you're going to be a producer. If you're going to be an MC, buy your mic. Mm. If you're going to be a producer, you buy your way to make beats and produce. If you're going to be a boxer, you get boxing gloves and training equipment. You know, that goes with mechanics, fixed cars. You get you some wrenches and some screwdrivers. And, when you you know, you have to have your, you need the things you need to survive in life. Those are our tools. Mm. Whatever they may be, you need to have those things. You know, another thing uh, as we wind this episode down that you uh, said that I heard you say before that was very powerful to me is about teamwork mm-hmm. and taking care of your team. Mm-hmm. I remember you said, like, yo, when I'm growing up, it was no big me, little you. Yep. If I ate steak, you ate steak. That's like, right. everybody ate fucking steak. That's right. You know, and I really valued that because not many people, you know, like, some, pe- some people are very selfish, man. Mm-hmm. Some people are very, have a lot of greed. Mm-hmm. Like, even, like, I remember you spoke on Ross, mm-hmm. Rick Ross, and mm-hmm. you were like, yo, people can say what they want about that dude, but he takes care of his people. Yeah. You know, don't you see that's something that's almost like doesn't happen all the time? You know what? It, and it, it, it's, it's, it's definitely a rare thing, you know, because money doesn't really have power when only one person has it. You know, but when everybody around you is financially set, you know, and whether you say, hey, listen, this is your job. This is what you do. This is how much you're going to make. After that, they can't they can't. They can't really say nothing, you know, but you always see 
most of these guys that get robbed or stuck up or or kidnapped, it's usually somebody that was around them that wasn't happy with what they were being not being paid. You know what I mean? Or uh, you know, that's some in some case. Sometimes you just have people who are just jealous of success. They don't have no talent. They just mad, so they figure we're gonna rob this motherfucker, which is a stupid idea in, in the long run. Because if you have, if you know, you, if you got paid what you were worth, then you know, yo, I'm I'm worth more than this. But people are afraid to talk business with people that they consider their friends or family, which is another thing that you have. People have to stop doing because you should never be afraid to talk business. If you say to somebody, "Listen, man." I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make the, you know, people call you, yo, bump, man, I got a beat. Can you get on it? All right, well, here's what we're going to do. First of all, I'll ask some questions. What are you doing with this beat? Is it something that you're putting out? Are you selling it? I want to know what it is. I don't, sure. mind, I don't mind doing the charity, you know, because I done bodied a lot of rappers for free. Mm. But if you're selling this shit, bro, I need, we, you need to talk to my management. Because sure, sure. And, and, but people get insulted when you start talking business, you know, and that's a sign right there that you don't want to be involved in this shit no more. You know, there's always people who want you to do shit for free. I know motherfuckers overseas just so they can, you know, get over there. They'll do a tour for a thousand dollars a white girl and sleep in the promoter's basement. You know, man, I got a groupie and I'm, and I made a thousand. I did a tour for a thousand bucks. They're, they're underselling the game because. They're not thinking about the big picture. And then if, so if you can get ten rap, if you can get five rappers for the same thing you can get one rapper for, these promoters are going to take that shit and just it's just about money all the time. And I get the money part, but at the same token, we have to find a balance. Hip hop is dying, man, fast. They're writing these rappers are writing themselves out of the future because they're not concerning themselves with doing business overall business. You know what I'm saying? And you can't do that shit because. You know, all of this independence that's out here now is very, you know, it's a big deal. Some people don't people don't need labels like they used to. I don't give a fuck about all of the independent guys who come to you with these five thousand dollar album propositions. That shit is bullshit. It's total bullshit. They come to these guys, they sign these guys, give them five grand, ten grand max sometime for a complete album. And they think that's okay because they signed MC's ain't came up yet for 10 grand he dropped the album now that's the standard now oh well we just did our last deal he he did he we, we made our 10 grand back and now you got to chase them for the for the for the for the back for the for the back end it's like it's it's fucked up bro and it's, and, and that's the shit that i don't like to deal with i'd rather put my shit online for people to find it then to get then to go give somebody a ten thousand dollar do a ten thousand I won't even I would never do no shit like that uh, uh. never anybody tell you they gave me ten thousand for an album tell there's a motherfucking liar uh. it'll never happen I'll give it away for free before I do that because I don't see that picture I don't like that I don't like that ideology it's not a smart thing for me because you become worth that shit and the longer you've been in the game the more you should be worth it's like you know it's like a fucking classic bottle of wine you know what i mean you get you you sure. become vintage you got sure. people have to find their worth and they have to rock with that shit because somebody gonna give it to you one way or the other you know guys out here hustling t-shirts and hoodies how many fucking hoodies can you buy how many t-shirts can you buy i'm not knocking their hustle that's a that's cool but this is what it's had this is what it's boiled down to because people don't want to spend no money no more and they realize these motherfuckers will take anything 
yo, 10,000 for an album. And then, oh, I'll go on the road and do some shows. And then they get, you get $1,500 a show, $2,000 a show. You're killing yourself. You better, you better off giving that shit away for free, man. And just, yo, man, fuck that. You know, I'm not taking no, because once you do that, you become worth that shit. And then you stuck there. And I don't think that's a good idea for hip hop. I don't think it's a good idea for nobody. Mm. You know, the, the the beauty of being free is that you have those choices to make on your own without having to be able to be, you know, looked at as a dude who's following a protocol that you ain't really don't you don't fit that mold. You know, you go to these labels now, you guys who who these these indie labels, Fat Beats and all these mother, they built their names off of these underground independent MCs like that. Millions made millions of dollars. There's no way in hell they should be offering people $10,000 for an album. It's totally disrespectful. And anybody who does it is is helping to destroy the fiber of the game. Because mm-hmm. that ten grand ain't shit compared to what you can get if you really put your life and in, in your heart and your soul into your music. Your worth is more than that. I believe you're worth more than that. And people should pay you what you're worth. If not, then yo, fuck you, man. I'm out, yo. Thanks mm-hmm. for the offer. Peace. Mm-hmm. The fiber of the game. Let me tell you something. Chuck D really, really appreciates you, yeah, and he's had, he has said it. How, how much uh, does Chuck mean to you? Oh man, you. Let me tell you something. Chuck D to me is like he's he's like a big brother. You know what I mean? Because not only has he been solid on all of his his stance on he's been he's been the same guy all the way through. I watched him grow older and wiser. As the same guy, his his premise, his under, his understanding of his business, who he is, how he how he deals with me as a, as a, as a comrade. I mean, he means everything to me. Every time I've ever reached out, I have a ton of records with him. He's on my Pop Duke album. Every time I've called Chuck for a few different projects, no problem. Bump, send me the beat. Uh. Hey, yo, no, nah, don't worry about that. I produced uh, Get It In with him for their album, and you know, I hit him up. He said, yo, I'm going to pay you, Bump. I was he's like, nah, fuck that, man. You know, all right, well, you know, I, I try to, he won't take my money, but he want me to take his money. It's like, mm-hmm. he's just, he's like, he knows what it is and where it is. And it's like, yo, Bump, we have a mutual respect for one another. You know what I'm saying? That's, I look at him as more family than anything. Mm-hmm. And Flavor Flav, too, you know? It means everything. Listen, uh, you also have um online radio show that you do right at the prisons. Yeah, right? I, I did, Um, I, I've been DJing on, um, on ninety one point three, I just started this thing called Penitentiary Mail because all of the prisons hear that 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 show. You know, I just started a show. I just did the first show in Poughkeepsie Saturday night, which was awesome, man. And I got a chance to play them some stuff that they'd never heard. And I go into this bumpy. I could have did that whole three hours of just my catalog alone, mm. you know, because I have so much music that I has I haven't released yet. Mm. You know, people always say, yo, drop more music, drop more music, you know, and, you know, I, I follow my energy. So it's like, eh, I'd rather play it. I, I like where I'm at with it. So I did that. And then I'm doing Corrupt Mob Radio again on um, Beat Junkies Radio through Beat Junkies Radio I'm working on that. So I, I, I wanted to be able to say, you know what, radio doesn't have to radio don't play my music, but. You know, there's ways to get around that now. Sure. You know what I'm saying? So I don't knock, you know, they have their, they have bosses to listen to. I don't, mm, mm. you know what I'm saying? And I let that be what it is. I don't knock that shit no more. I used to be pissed off about it. I don't give a fuck about it no more. I haven't listened to to, to traditional radio in fucking 15 years. Mm. 
same six songs are still playing bump. Don't Yo, worry. I haven't <laughs> I haven't listened to it in fifteen years. I've been listening to satellite radio ever since that shit came out. Mm. And I and I'm and I, and I I don't even know what commercials sound like no more. I, I see them shits on TV. I I don't listen to the radio like that. When I'm in the car riding and I'm bouncing from state to state, I'm listening to sa- satellite radio all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, at Bumpy Knuckles on Twitter, on um, Instagram, same thing or is Bumpy it? Knuckles seventy seven on Instagram. Bumpy yeah. Knuckles seventy seven. And where could they log into or find out about some of these radio shows that you've been doing? Um, I mean, just watch my my social media. You mm-hmm. know, I'm not really a big uh, uh website i wanted to build a, i want to build a website i haven't even that's the one thing i haven't done yet that i want to do is i want to build my own i want to get my own website i think i need a website right about now and mm. then i got my new album pop duke coming out which is totally produced by knots who is probably one of the dopest producers if not one of the greatest ever Mm. He's he, right. You know, Knott's Bumpy uh, yeah, collab. Yeah, he's a beast, man. So he, what we did was he just gave me a bunch. I think it was close to a hundred songs, and I just did, damn near rocked on all of them. So I'm doing volume one, volume two, volume three. We just gonna drop them in, in volumes. You know what I mean? And um, I'm a, I, you know, I just want to do what I do. You know, I'm I, like I said, I'm 51, but you know, 50. It says I'm 50 and I'm bought up. Mad because I hustled for my bread so long that my bar tissue was scarred up. Mm-hmm. I went from shooting bars up to bars up so these broke niggas could get heat for barter. Fuck that. I don't spit no imitation relations. Fake backstage people and all the liquor you taking. Yeah, I'm mad because these niggas is mad too, but they don't want to own they shit like a renter that's past due. Mm. You know? That's what it is. <laughs> it's just... Yeah. You know, it's bump, just, bump, bump, bump. <laughs> yeah. We could we could go on for days. Yeah, bro. no question. I, I, I love the bars, but listen, internet. Make sure you check out all the platforms that Freddie Fox, aka Bumpy Knuckles, on. Yes, listen, um, like I said, one episode ain't enough with you. I'll come back. Anytime we gotta have you, you back for uh, uh, part two, three, and four. Oh, oh come on, let's, all the way. Let's start with the part two. <laughs> Bring John Cena. Find where the fuck he is. Yeah, right. Yeah, my boy. Shout out to John. Wherever you at, John boy, I love you, man. Stay focused. Keep doing what you're doing, bro. Word. No, but more importantly, again, Bump, I appreciate just how solid that you are in the game. Meaning, yeah. like, people can say what they want to say. Oh, this motherfucker, maybe he's too, da, da, da. maybe they had an issue or maybe they don't like. Let me tell you something. People should have as much passion as you have, man. Yeah, I wish they did. People should have it, man. <laughs> yeah, they, I mean, there's people out there that have it. There's people out there that love hip-hop. I like, I like talking to people that they say, I don't make beats, I don't rhyme, but I love hip-hop. Those guys are the guys that, you know, that are that are insane, insanely passionate. Guys like Trick Trick, you know. I, I go to Detroit, man. Guys like Trick Trick. I watch this motherfucker produce records, engineer them, mix them, master them. He he sets a time. All right, it's gonna take me three days to mix this project, three this this record. I'm a, he does that shit with such a deep passion. Band rehearsal, all these people. You know, it's it's just it's it's insane. It's insane. There's there's plenty of people out there with that kind of passion. Tons of them. Mm. And the, and the more we recognize those people, the more that we, the more that we recognize those people, and the more that we give them attention, the more that we say, "Yo, man, I appreciate what you do." It's all right for you to reach out to your. You guys, you got contact to everybody. Mm. Yo, man, I, I hear, I get it all the time. Yo, bump, I learn a lot from you, man. I love. That's the that's the greatest payoff for me. Mm. You know what I'm saying? That's the I done lived in houses, man, that from mansions to 
townhouses to penthouse. I done had all that shit, man. And the toilets still get stuffed, fucking stuffed up with fucking shit. You got to put Drano in that motherfucker to fix it. So it don't, <laughs> it don't change nothing, bro. Well, listen, I appreciate you, and I yeah. know I know a lot of the no a lot of the community does. Yeah, Internet's Freddie Fox. Peace and love, aka Bumping Knuckles. Yes, sir. Cheer. Yeah. Internet's. If you enjoyed that episode, I want you to email me. At the premium show at gmail.com. Again, that's email is thepremiumpeatshow at gmail.com. Let me know what you thought. And listen, all my advertisers out there, all my big businesses, my small businesses, whoever, a friend, a store, you want to advertise on the premium peach show? Email me at thepremiumpeatshow at gmail.com and let's get working. Okay? Make sure you subscribe, rate, leave a comment on all streaming platforms and podcasts. Tell a friend to tell a friend. And we'll see you next episode. Cheer.